Do you live in the middle of nowhere and feel separated from the church? Yeah, that's me. Or do you think the church is out of touch? Absolutely. Then this podcast is for you. Coming to you from the Diocese of Sioux City. What? Where the hell is Sioux City? Welcome to Outcast Catholic with your hosts, Father Sheen Demon and Father Travis Crotty. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Outcast Catholic. I'm Father Travis Crotty. And I'm Father Shane Deven. It's good to be with all of you. It's good to be with you, Father Shane. How are you these days? Things are good. Is it as humid? Is it as humid in St. Louis as it is in Northwest Iowa right now? Uh, it's just starting to pick up. It's been a, a pretty mild June as we're recording this. Yeah. The humidity is starting to increase now. Yes. What's that phrase they the use? Summer. What's that phrase folks use when it's humid? They say it's close. Do you know about that? No. I think that's kind of a colloquial thing to say. It's close. I don't know why. I, it came to me this morning when it was very humid outside. So we need to look that up. Somebody can fact check that for us. I think that is a southern phrase to use to describe the humidity outside. Okay. Regardless, it's nice and Fun toasty. Fun fact of the day. It's nice and toasty here, running around. Um, yeah. What you want to do like a big youth group, doesn't it? Just a bunch of sweaty stuff outside. That's right. Go camping. Go camping. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Maybe a bonfire. That was always so funny when we did Totus Tuus. You're doing Totus Tuus during like June and July in August. Or in mm-hmm. June, July in Iowa is what I meant to say. And it's so hot. And even in mm-hmm. the evenings, it doesn't really yeah. cool off that much. But yeah. what do you do with youth group kids is you have a bonfire. So it's like right. it's really hot and sweaty and then you just sit around a fire and when get more 94. hot and sweaty. <laughs> yeah, Or like the back deck on the cathedral, it's just two brick walls that get exposed to the setting sun in the entire afternoon. And you're just baking. And then it's just an oven when you sit on that deck and try to hang out. Just big oven. Bake, a, bake some rolls. Um, so your, your summer, you're still just kind of doing your St. Louis move, still at Kenrick, helping out with the guys. Yeah, we're still in the Behold the Man summer program yeah. here, but you have kind of gone back to parish ministry. I'm excited about that, yeah. Um, I become a cathedral priest over the summer when Father Gallus, one of the guys in the house, he goes off to the Liturgical Institute in Chicago for grad school, and right. it's exciting to step back into the parish. And man, I know you kind of lived in and around the cathedral, Father Shane, and helped mm-hmm. out with stuff over the years, obviously, but man... The, uh, the sacraments at the cathedral are abundant. Uh, the, mm-hmm. the daily confessions and the masses on the weekend are, it's awesome. It's awesome. Um, mm-hmm. Cathedral has confession every single day. And most days, it's a consistent line of people. You're like hearing like 20 confessions every day before daily mass, which is really exciting. Right. And people from all over the city, tri-state area come to those confessions, which are really good. And then the masses are just beautiful. Um predominantly hispanic parish so there are many spanish masses and and as you've experienced before most of them are standing room only um the the two in particular the noon and the ten thirty, are just wonderful um and it's it's exciting for me too i um preaching uh, recently we were talking about i was preaching about vocations and i was bringing up father stanley rother um mm-hmm. i knew that the noon mass has more mexicans and the 1030 has a lot more Central Americans, especially Guatemalans. So mm-hmm. I was using the kind of examples at the end of the self-sacrifice of some of these priest martyrs, right? Talking about the Cristeros in Mexico and Miguel Pro, but then talking mm-hmm. about Father Stanley Rother for the Guatemalans. So it's just, it's beautiful to have the connection culturally um, with mm-hmm. these folks. And But I, yeah, my faith 
my hope in the church is always just stirred up and inflamed when I have those masses um, with those folks. And that, that is, there's nothing wrong with mass, the, the English masses or the Anglo communities, but there is a particular vibrancy of faith that our brothers and sisters in these Latino communities still have that I think, unfortunately, has been kind of lost and has kind of waned in a lot of our parishes. Um, yeah. So no, it's, it's, it's been a good experience, yeah. It's nice to see the intergenerational faith so alive in, in those Latino communities. Mm-hmm. Keep it, it is. going. It is, a, yeah. Do you get to hear confessions very much these days, Father Shane? Rarely. If I'm helping out with a retreat, um, youth group ministry somewhere in the city, or if I'm covering at a parish or high school, it's rare, though. I'm in the external forum here, so I can't hear the seminarian's confessions. Yes, of course. Right. Yeah, and I, I just found this year, you know, it's like I hear a lot of regular high school confessions, right? Thank God you mm-hmm. kind of set that up. It's a really beautiful, I think, experience and tradition of taking advantage of that sacrament before the weekly mass at the school. But also, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm bouncing around in parishes over the weekends, um, and unfortunately not a lot of people frequent the sacrament of confession on Sundays, you know, before mass. So I haven't really got that much experience, but stepping back into parish life this summer, like I was just mentioning, the the confessions at the cathedral are just consistent, really, really good, very faithful. Um, so it's just been, it, it hit me the other day of realizing like, wow, I I do this kind of the work of getting there on time, listening to these confessions, trying to get through them before the mass that's coming up and just kind of moving on. And it can feel like a real work and it is, and it is a gift of self. But I realized in the midst of it the other day, what it is that we do. And it's kind of, I mean, it's wild. It's so wild. Mm-hmm. Confession. I've said often my favorite part of priesthood, and this isn't just like a pithy thing to say really is hearing beautiful confessions, like hearing good confessions. And I said, and I'm sure this will change over the years, but one of the hardest parts of priesthood, and I don't know if you'd agree, Father Shane is sitting in an empty confessional. Um, I've just found that in my parish experience that when, when confessions being offered and no one's taking advantage of it, mm-hmm. um, it, when you know families and you know struggles and you know what's going on in people's life, but there's just that block to actually take advantage of that sacrament, right? That's one of the hardest things I've experienced before is just that kind mm-hmm. of, and, and being, having to, having to bring that to the Lord in that moment of kind of like his mercy's here, you know, and realizing that that's true for me too, but Hearing all these confessions, I've just been thinking a lot about reconciliation and what's actually happening in the sacrament. I was just at a friend's house and their five-year-old daughter, um, I said something about, will you ever come to confession with me? And she just said, what's that? You know, and her parents explained, you know, my mom and dad, we go to the church and we do that. You know how at night, but when we pray, we ask God to forgive us of the bad things that we've done. It's like, well, when you grow up a little bit, you'll go and you'll say that to the priest. And she's a little confused by, by the concept of it. Um, but it was interesting just considering what happens in confession. And maybe we don't often think about it as a real moment of reconciliation. But that's been happening in my life recently, Father Shane. These these beautiful confessions, frequent confessions, or, or frequent experience of the sacrament that I've had. Every day when I cover Mass at the cathedral, there's daily confessions here. And on Sunday, there's confessions all over the place. So a lot of confessions. But then in my own life, there's been a couple experiences of reconciliation or at least tension that's been revealed that there still needs to be reconciliation that's present there. Um, I just wanted to lean into that, not to give another podcast about telling you go to back to confession. I mean, I will <laughs> probably by the end of this, but really the need 
to be reconciled with one another and with God in our lives. We talk about being outcast, and every time you start talking to somebody about why they're outcast from the church, there are always levels of pain and woundedness from some experience, right? Whether that was with a priest, whether that was with your family, whether that was with you know, catechists, whatever the experience of feeling like you didn't receive what you should have received or you received something poorly from those who you trusted to give you something good, right? And so, so often in our experience of being outcast or feeling outcast or feeling like the church is outcast, there is a lack of forgiveness, a lack of reconciliation. Um, So yeah, I'm just hoping that we can maybe lean into that today. And especially, I know we did months ago or years ago now talking about those family tensions that always come up during holidays and things like that. So I know we've covered it before, but I just think, yeah, trying to lean into a little bit more intentionally this place of what does reconciliation mean? What does that look like with God? And what can I, that actually look like in my friendships and my relationships? You know, mm-hmm. um, please. No, I think that's beautiful. I mean, if you're, if you're sitting in the confessional day after day after day, and there's always a line out the door for people wanting to be reconciled to the Lord. It's very encouraging. And it's not just because, oh, well, we're getting high numbers today. Huh. Something must be working. Yeah, it's, it's not just a body count that we're looking for in terms of the participation at the sacraments. It's, it's beautiful and it's moving because there are hearts who want to move with Jesus. There are hearts who want to be stepping into the Lord's eternal mercy, his ocean of love, and be reconciled to the Father. And when you see that... It just warms the heart of a shepherd to know that the flock really is interested in, in receiving the gift of the Lord's eternal mercy. Um, what comes to mind is Matthew 5, when our Lord instructs us, you know, if, if there's a conflict between you and someone else, leave your gift at the altar and first go be reconciled with someone, you know, before worshiping together in, in, um, in a spirit of, of upright hearts. Um, you know, how often do we need to kind of examine where do it, where in my own life do I need to find greater reconciliation with my brothers and sisters so that our communion at Mass, our communion before the Lord in worship, uh, is solidified and we've done all that we can, you know, within right reason to kind of build up that sense of communion and that sense of reconciliation as we're reconciled to God through the sacrament simultaneously. Mm-hmm. Um Building up, building up a spirit of reconciliation is just going to lead to greater sense of peace, but it also just kind of opens us with a greater sense of disposition to say, the Lord's gift of reconciliation is there for the taking. Mm-hmm. You know, why not, why not build our parish communities around that great gift? Yeah, and this gets right to the heart of what I think a misconception is. I, I've experienced, I experience all the time with young people, about what the sacrament of confession, the sacrament of reconciliation actually is. So often it, it's felt with younger, with my peers and with the students I'm working with now, that the church is just a big list of rules. And if you break those rules, you're bad, right? And you have to go to confession once in a while to just kind of like wipe the slate clean and start over again and start breaking more rules, right? So it's this moralism surrounding rules. And I've often joked that like there's no you know, huge list. I don't know if you've ever seen the Harry Potter movies, Father Shane, but like there's this, there's, and I don't know if I've mentioned this here before. I've said it somewhere. There's, there's a scene. Go ahead. I don't think you've mentioned it. Yeah. There's a, so there's a scene in the fifth movie where the bad headmistress comes in and she starts just making more and more and more rules. And the groundskeeper is just nailing these huge kind of like scrolls to the stone wall. And it's a really big like spectacle, but it's just rule after rule after rule. And I think I felt with young people 
that it feels like there's just some big long list of rules hanging in the corner of St. Peter's Basilica that just keeps getting added to, right? Mm-hmm. And it's just this, it's just these list of rules. But when I actually experience reconciliation, that's something concrete that's in the flesh with real people in my life, recognizing that I've hurt somebody or I've been hurt by somebody and experiencing the face to face. And I'm going to talk about that in a second experience of asking for forgiveness and receiving that forgiveness that starts to change something and realize that, wait, the forgiveness I need for God is, is the same type of thing that I need from other people. It's not this, it's not this other thing, right? It's not this, I broke God's big rules and I need to go to this kind of fancy ritual to forgive them. No, it's Mm -hmm. the same most human element of being face to face with another and asking to be forgiven is happening. Right. Mm -hmm. But then the grace that's present there in the sacrament is that what we can't do as humans, what we can't do is just forgive on our own. Right. But we actually have the grace of Christ who forgives us. Right. And who brings about a reconciliation. That word's important. I just wanted to mention something and I'm curious to hear your thoughts here, father Shane, but reconcilia, that word cilia, this was explained Mm -hmm. to me years ago. You know, we hear confession and that obviously means to just say, your sins, but this word reconciliation has, you know, gained more popularity after the council and in the liturgical reform, we have reconciliation chapels and things like that now, but to be reconciled to somebody is to come back. Cilia is little hair, eyelash to eyelash, right? Mm -hmm. Is what the word actually, the etymology there. And that's so true. Um, A face-to-face experience with another person, just being face-to-face, right? Has some level of being reconciled, being brought back into a communion of persons there. Um, but too often I've just noticed because we live, we live on social media, we live on our phones, we live in this way of being separated. We're not often face to face with one another. Tension, resentment can rise from the lack of being face to face. But in a few mm-hmm. conversations I've had recently, family members and some friends being face to face and sitting down. And even when there's a moment of sharing tension that's present there, that sharing of tension, that airing of grievances, that it's actually so human because I can see you. You're right in front of me. Um, and my capacity to forgive, my capacity to be forgiven um, seems to be increased. Mm-hmm. And if that's the case with us, that's the, that ought to be the case with how God meets us. Right? Yeah, I completely agree. Not only is that the case with us as we relate human to human and how that should be relating to God, but you know, Christ himself is human, right? Yeah. And so everything that, you know, is authentically human and authentically uniting in an incarnational way, you know, Jesus came to embrace all of that, and he created all of that as the Word of God. Um, but, but he himself is also speaking throughout these moments, right? To have, to have the Lord's grace, to have divine life shared with us is drawing us into greater communion. These are not, these are not exercises of trying to be reconciled to one another completely under our own power, Grace is motivating all of that. The Holy Spirit is guiding us. And so the Lord is present in and among our reconciliation moments with one another that's simultaneously drawing us into his divine life. Mm-hmm. Um, I was in a conversation recently, and someone said, what if your purgatory consisted of 10,000 years of going around and being reconciled to everybody that you hurt throughout your lifetime? Whoa. Would you do it? And this person said, yeah. If it took 10,000 years, but I got to be reconciled to everybody in which there was conflict or strife or I caused harm, and it allowed me the opportunity to have eternal life, why wouldn't you do that? 
Now, we're not saying definitively here that purgatory lasts 10,000 years. And there's there's a lot more to saying, I, I want to be purged of any stain of sin before being ushered into the glorious presence of the Trinity. But the point was just to say, uh, to speak into the importance of being reconciled to one another and to say that the quality of the quality of, of union that I have with my brothers and sisters speaks about and speaks into the very union that I have with my Lord and Savior, who himself is drawing all my brothers and sisters to himself mm-hmm. into this great this this matrix, this web of of communion all rooted in God's love. Yeah. So why why wouldn't we take that opportunity to be reconciled to one another? knowing the great consequences, but knowing the great fruit that it has in our relationship with the Lord. I want to get it practical now because that that's also true, but then it's just like, it's really hard when somebody's mm-hmm. hurt you or you've hurt somebody else and you know that and you're attentive to that, to actually lean into this space of forgiveness, right? To either ask for forgiveness or when somebody is right seeking forgiveness from you to, to receive that, and there's that, there's, all, I mean, Midwest nice, just kind of passive aggression. We never want to deal with the kind of problem, so we just kind of stuff it down. That often happens with a lot of people, not just in the Midwest, right? It turns out that we don't want to deal with it. So it's like we think that it's more comfortable to not deal with things, right, in the, the kind of immediate experience, and that just kind of compounds and compounds and compounds. And that's where resentment's built, you know, miscommunicated expectations between two different people. Okay. But in moments of reconciliation, moments of conversation, however that comes about, I've just felt this recently in my own life. There's a temptation to kind of believe this lie that Christ is not meeting me there or that I don't have a hope that he's going to be there in this conversation, in this place, right? But to remember his own words that the truth will set you free, right? And that when there's this tension and when there's these these problems that haven't been really surfaced when things haven't really come to the light and you know you need to talk about something or you know that you've hurt somebody, whatever it might be, to have a real and certain hope that Jesus will be present in that conversation to the power of the Holy Spirit that he's going to meet me there, right? Mm-hmm. And like this this will actually be for my good. Um, not, not that whatever the hurt was, but that uh, like approaching a moment of reconciliation, right? That that's obviously in the heart of, of God, that he wants that to happen, right? That's why he became man and reconciled the world to himself, like through his blood on the cross, right? So to have a real hope that reconciliation is possible and that as I approach a conversation, as I approach a situation, even in the small moments when I'm asking somebody for forgiveness or I realize that I've hurt somebody, to recognize that he's meeting me there, that he's waiting for me there, right? That he's, that he's with me, that he's not leaving me alone. He's not somewhere off down the road. And it's like, figure out your stuff, right? Figure out your, your, your broken relationship over here. And then eventually I'll let you be in communion with me. No, he's meeting me right now in my relationships and in this tension. And, and a lot of the times, the reason it's being stirred up in my heart, right? The desire that's there is already God having put that desire for reconciliation in my heart. Um, mm-hmm. So just that I think there can be a real hope that Jesus wants to meet us. And to not be afraid, but to kind of push through that, those lies that he's not going to be there and to expect him to be there. Um, and then I think the surprise becomes, wait, he did meet me, and that was a lot easier than I expected um, right. because of his grace was present there. Yeah. yeah, his whole mission to earth was to reconcile humanity to the Father. <laughs> that, that's, that's his entire trajectory with the purpose of the incarnation and the Paschal mystery. Um, 
So why wouldn't we say that he wants to keep meeting us in the moments of reconciliation that consistently can unfold in our lives? Mm -hmm. The Lord desires reconciliation. He's on a mission for that. And when we step into those moments, as awkward as they might seem, and they do cost us something, you know, they they cost you uh, the humility to kind of choke down any of your pride and say, I have wronged somebody and I'm going to go admit that. Mm -hmm. Um, Or I need to extend mercy to somebody. And so that means I'm going to get off my my moral high horse and not lord that over them and to simply extend mercy as a, as a common brother and sister. Mm-hmm. It does cost us something, but it also unleashes great gifts when we do that in the Lord's grace. Yeah, and just maybe to end with this kind of note, it's like we see in the news all the time that the summer months, probably because it's so humid, as we mentioned at the beginning, <laughs> in so many parts of the country, they're this time of violence that happens so much. All this like extra violence happens and shootings and all these like crazy things happen right maybe that tension also happens in families just because vacations are happening and different things are happening and yet people are hot and uncomfortable and all these things so to maybe even anticipate that instead of allowing this these summer months to be more months of tension and more months of just kind of compounding resentment that man through the grace of the holy spirit if we can pay attention where we really need reconciliation in our lives and maybe lean in in an uncomfortable way so that can happen. Go to confession first so that can happen. Don't just take a vacation from the sacraments this summer, like we've said before, but especially with that sacrament of confession and then real reconciliation that can happen in our in our friendships. That's how God's inviting us to grow with one another and with him. So I think there's a real hope there. So Father Shane, thanks for your your thoughts today. Well, thank you. Good, good thoughts today. And uh, let's keep one another in prayer as we can seek to be reconciled to one another and to the Father. See you soon. Thanks for tuning in. Send your questions and comments to outcastcatholic at gmail.com. Catch you next time, and God bless.